Manhattan spacecraft did not crash in Roswell, New Mexico in 1947. You know flat earthers, I guarantee it. But you don't know who they are because they're afraid of talking about it. This is not a test. This is your emergency broadcast system. Hello and welcome to the 205th annual Subliminal Obsession Podcast. Your weekly dose of conspiracy theory. Bullshit, my name is Cody Rampal. Phil, how are you? Doing good, buddy. How about yourself? Not doing too bad. I just, right off the top here, I wanted to say thank you for all the comments about last week's episode. Very grateful. I'm glad you guys enjoyed it. But one person in particular sent me a link to Chevy Chase's Instagram. and oh, nice. And it had... It was a pretty recent post, had Chevy Chase with Randy Quaid, and I think even Evie was there too. I think they were sober. I think they were all good. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Chevy Chase didn't look like he had been recently abducted. Did he? <laughs> no. He, he was, all was well? It was kind of weird. They were like riding on a golf cart, and Chevy Chase, <laughs> he must be in a wheelchair now. Randy Quaid was holding Chevy Chase's leg and they were pushing him along on the golf cart. <laughs> it, it was uh, it was pretty funny. Well, it's great to hear that, uh, you know, Randy, he's doing better. Apparently, he's mending fences now. So, you know, maybe he can get back into good graces, be there for the next, who knows, you know. <laughs> maybe there's a third Independence Day movie coming out. <laughs> oh, man, I never watched a second one. I heard it was shit. <laughs> yeah maybe his ghost can come back pretty sure he died at the <laughs> the end of the other one but. yeah he kind of blew himself up to save <laughs> humanity there yeah well the the hero we all needed <laughs> well phil you got anything exciting happening in your life no not really uh i think the cops here might be losing their mind due to the heat exposure oh but uh yeah driving to work this morning uh, turned on to the main road that kind of takes me to work. And there was a cop with his lights off, pulled an illegal U-turn without using his turn signals or the turn lane uh, right in front of me. I followed behind him, lights still off, didn't use the turn lane, but he did slow way down to the point where the car's like oncoming traffic slowed down and stopped. And then he just kind of like pulled a U-turn right in front of him and went back. So I don't know what he was doing. It was very much still dark outside. I leave for work at about 4.20 in the morning. So I do not uh, know what's going on. Maybe he, I don't know. Maybe he was drunk. I don't know. <laughs> could be. He might have been just waiting for someone to flash their lights at him so that he could pull him over. Uh, I've heard that's a trick that some cops will use. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I could see it, I guess. You know, some cops... Just want to uh, pull over who th whoever they can, however they can. Oh, yeah. Any excuse they can use. There are a lot of people who have the, the little cameras kind of set up on their cars now. So it would be great if that happened and then someone caught him doing it. <laughs> you know, of course, he's not going to get in trouble. But no, but you should have had a dash cam, the Russian special dash cam. 
Oh, the insurance adjuster special. Yeah, yeah, have that in there. (laughs) I wanted to ask you, actually, over the weekend, I watched the newest Dune movie. Have Have you watched this? Yeah, I actually saw that in theaters. Okay, I had never seen the original movie. Obviously, I heard about the book and whatever. I thought pretty spectacular, actually. Yeah, not bad. I was a little worried because I I had seen parts of that original, you know, the 40-year-old Dune movie. And I really love, like, sci-fi, big into it, but I was not big into that movie. It moved really slow. Uh, It was more for the fans of the book. But this one, I don't think they made this for the book fans. I think they made this for normal people's. So not well, uh, not reading people's. I'm so. guessing I, I got halfway through the original Dune movie. I saw it was made by David Lynch, so I knew I was in for a ride. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he he made Twin Peaks. He's pretty renowned for making like weird. I call it like weird, a little bit pretentious stuff where it's yeah. like, do you get it? Do you get it? Like, you know, that <laughs> shit. Yeah, I I don't I only got halfway through, but it seemed like the original movie's really fast forwarding, like really quickly through stuff. Clearly, there's going to be like three movies, so it's a very long, detailed story. I feel like yeah, there uh, there's a lot of in the series of books. There's a lot of books in that series. Like if you go to Barnes and Noble to their sci-fi section, you'll see like the whole line of them. Really? So, yeah. Okay, it was funny on uh, the latest last podcast episode, they talked about the, I forgot what like the, the, the kind of like nuns people are, I've heard the Bene Jesuit or something like that. When, yep. he, when he said that, I'm like, oh, I know what that is now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was on the network, uh, they had a show that like kind of deep dived into Dune. I don't know. I don't think it was actually them, but it was kind of like people who are like in their network. Oh, who, okay. Who did like a Dune okay. deep dive? Okay. Um, before we get going here, quick question: How thick are each book? Uh decently. Yeah, they're not like. So I'm trying to remember. They're not like the huge, like tall books, but they're like the. They kind of reminded me, like size wise, of you know, kind of like those romantic novels that uh women like in the oh, 80s used okay. to read yeah, yeah 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 they reminded me of like those like the size of those like if you've ever seen those so kind of height wise and width wise those, that's what those, they looked like those are good size because those are usually two to three hundred pages when i started getting into stephen king and stuff right and i think i did myself in by choosing to try to get through it which is mm. 1200 plus pages I got halfway through, and I'm just like, the task just felt so tall. I, I One of these days, I have to finish the book. But yeah, I'm on like page 550 or 600 or something, and I'm just like, Jesus Christ, I'm only halfway through this. <laughs> yeah, I've seen, it, I've seen it at bookstores, and it does look like it's about the size of kind of like those movies that were set in New York during like the 70s and 80s their phone books yeah they kind of look like they're about that size <laughs> like the you know the cop smacks the suspect in the interrogation room with the phone books like that size isn't the bible like 1200 pages i think it is i mean i guess it depends on which version but i think that shit's like 1200 fucking pages 
you can get the big ones with like the big type and you know the really nice like leather bound ones but then there's like the the hotel ones that are like really small <laughs> the i just prefer the kids bible it's the easiest for me to understand <laughs> you know it gets rid of all the bad stuff they don't want to talk about and uh and yeah but anyway <laughs> Should we get oh, I was going to ask you one yeah. so, so one quick thing. Did okay. you watch uh, Black Mirror? The, I, I think the fourth season was sixth, just released. Sixth. Is it the sixth? Oh, it's shit. It's the sixth okay. season. Um, yeah, no, I haven't yet. I A friend of mine started last night and said it's quite different than the other one. Yes, it is. There's a lot more stars in it, this go-round. So it's one of those things where a few years ago it was... You know, like, oh, they got Miley Cyrus to be, you know, in Black Mirror. That was kind of a big deal. Now it's every single episode has like some big people in it, especially like the first episode. I think you really liked the first episode. It was pretty good. Yeah, I, I heard the Miley Cyrus season was really bad, so I never, yeah. never watched it. Um. <laughs> <laughs> it was. <laughs> it nearly tanked the whole fucking series yeah but i yeah i need to i'll need to check it out but let's uh let me let's uh you take us on a journey here phil all right first off i'd like to thank one of our great listeners for giving us the suggestion for this week's episode sending us both an instagram message and an email so thank you karen t listening all the way out in the philippines for suggesting that we talk about this great topic yeah thank you so much you know we Maybe not everybody makes it to the end, but we uh, we definitely appreciate any show ideas. I can't promise it will become a show, but it's definitely always put into the uh, the think tank. Oh yeah, and I've like that. I've taken topic ideas, you know, in the past and kind of comboed them with other, you know, show ideas. But this one kind of is a it's a it's big enough to be a standalone. So. And yeah. it was so good. I kind of wanted to just fast forward, do it this week. So. Yeah, I can tell you this subject that I'm not going to say yet has definitely been like a shitty 80s movie. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah, a uh, pretty popular show came out a few years ago. I think recently just ended. So Ah, okay. What show is <laughs> yeah. that, Phil? Well, this week... We take a look at one of conspiracy theory, which has actually gained a huge amount of traction over the last few years due to the popularity of the Netflix show Stranger Things, which actually almost shared the same name and setting as today's topic, being originally named Montauk and set on the East Coast. Though, due to legal wranglings from someone who we will actually mention later on in the episode, the location was changed to the Midwest, and the name was changed to the now famous Stranger Things. So they originally wanted to call it Montauk. Yes. Did not know that. Are you a fan of the show Stranger Things? I was a fan, I think up until about season four. It started to go... It wasn't really about kind of like what we're talking about today, like, you know, this fictional portrayal of like the Montauk project in the Midwest. It started becoming more about like, you know, the characters and them growing up like a teenage type movie rather than kind of like what it had been about. So, so I take it you have not watched the latest season then? No, I haven't. I think I I think I only got through a couple of episodes of season four. Gotcha. Okay. I'd say the last season, I'd say season one, awesome. Season two, 
eh. Season three, I think, is the weakest one. Um, that's where they're all like getting in love and shit. And then that's the one that I st- okay. That's season three. That's yeah. the one I stopped watching. And then the latest season, I think, is season four, is where they have a lot of stuff about like the other whatever they call it, the upside down world or whatever the fuck they call it. It's stuff like that, and a lot more about Eleven's life and where she came from and all that. Okay, so I'll have to just skip season three, move straight to season four then. Yeah. Okay. If they if they pick it back up in season four, actually what the show was originally about. But yeah, so I didn't really know that the show was originally meant to be called Montauk until kind of like doing the research for this episode. Uh, so I don't know exactly how close they were, but I do know that there was kind of like threats of a lawsuit. Pretty much like that's why they changed it. I I definitely have heard about the Montauk Project and kind of know about it, but this will obviously be probably all new information to me, but I can definitely see the correlation. Oh, yeah. I mean, secret underground bases, you know, fucking portals to the underworld, all of that shit. It kind of goes part and parcel with the whole theory. I'll, so, say, I'll, Joe. I'll say this for before we continue on here. For all the people who say nukes were terrible... For humanity, right? And yep. started the Cold War and all this. I just want everybody to take a moment and think about all the good things that came from the Cold War. Think of all the movies you got. You got all the video games. You got all sorts of good shit. Oh, definitely. Rocky Four alone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it was worth 40 years of a Cold War just, for, uh, just to see Rocky triumph over Drago. I don't even know if Call of Duty would exist without it. At least Black Ops. Oh. Well, I mean, pretty much every war game back, you know, years ago was all World War II. And then they kind of moved into the War on Terror. Yeah. So I don't really... A lot of the spy games and a lot of those games dealt with, like, Cold War. Oh, fuck. The uh, 007 Gear. movies. Yep. Oh, yeah. That's, holy shit. Most of that <laughs> is the goddamn Cold War. Uh, the Metal Gear Solid games, too, um, have a lot of stuff like that. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Those are great games, too. Now... This conspiracy theory, which we just mentioned, known as the Montauk Project, you know, has a setting on a military base on the tip of Long Island. It takes bits and pieces from multiple different like government and paranormal conspiracies all melded together to make like a true meta conspiracy, which makes references towards the Philadelphia Experiment, Plum Island, Operation Paperclip, and even MKUltra along with its own brand of strange and terrifying stories to kind of weave everything together. Uh, This is all taken from witnesses and victims who are allegedly regaining lost or stolen memories, which had been stripped away from them to protect kind of the anonymity of the perpetrators and like what happened down. Crazy enough, we come all the way around, Phil. We've covered the Philadelphia Experiment. We've covered Plum Island. And obviously, we've talked about Paperclip and MK Ultra quite a bit in this show. You know, this is kind of a uh, not only a meta conspiracy, but also a meta subliminal deception <laughs> talking point, I guess. Yeah, we haven't uh, given Paperclip and MK Ultra their own episode, but we pretty much talked about them like in regards to other things enough to make it. You could probably meld together an entire episode. I feel like Paperclip would be a good one, but obviously, I don't know. Is that one? Of, I feel like MK Ultra. everybody knows about. 
Paperclip's like close to that. Don't you feel that way? Yeah. So the weird thing is MK Ultra and Paperclip are probably equally as popular. It's just MK Ultra seems so much more kind of fantastic and unbelievable than Paperclip does. All Paperclip is is just the fact that you know, Nazis were Nazi scientists were brought over, kind of given pardons for their crimes to help America fight the Russians. Yeah. So, yeah, it's uh, I feel like over the last year or two, I've absorbed so much World War Two information mm. and <laughs> I just feel like there's so like people talk about World War Two and, you know, this and that, especially America. They love to look back on World War II. Most of them focus on, you know, America versus the Nazis, but they don't re I feel like a lot of people overlook the just insane bloodbath that was America versus Japan. But yeah, there's like a lot of weird shit, like bad, I would say kind of bad things that America did. And obviously not as bad as the Nazis, but, but yeah, I don't know if there was uh, any... Everybody did a, stuff a little bit bad in uh, World War II. What do you think? Oh, definitely, yeah. I mean, we won, obviously. So, you know, it's the Allies kind of get to write history uh, after the victory. You know, to the victory go the spoils, you know, and the pen to write the history. Well, But definitely, so the bombing of Tokyo. Uh, Tokyo ooh, was pretty much firebombed. The, yeah, the firebombs. Uh, yeah, the, one of the main reasons that Tokyo wasn't actually nuked was the fact that it was pretty much leveled uh, by firebombing. They used the wooden houses as tinder to burn down the factories by, you know, dropping incendiary bombs in residential areas. You know, Phil, one of your famous quotes you've said many a times on this podcast is, the world is lucky that Hitler was incompetent. And yes. that is not a joke. Oh, definitely. Yeah. It's hard to imagine a world where if the if a better person was in power, someone who wasn't, you know, quite as crazy, didn't go after the Russians, would have kind of, you know, played the lawn game, there might still be remnants of Nazi Germany in northern Europe. Yo, yeah. I mean, um, if you think about just even one small mistake Hitler made Dunkirk could have been a massacre instead of like this yep. great rescue mission. If it wasn't for him, his, his bad decision in that one point. Yeah. Also, well, we're getting way off topic. Yeah. Here, anyway, but, well, yeah, Dunkirk, if it was a massacre, then the British might have, might have, you know, kind of went to the table. And also he, you know, was, he was late waking up. And uh, there wasn't, you know, reinforcements going to the beaches at Normandy. But yeah, all of that, you know, revisionist history, yeah. what ifs and stuff. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, we're not talking about him. We're talking about nope. even weirder stuff, I guess. Yeah, well, we will talk about him for a tiny bit. Right okay. Now. But right. for, the, for this story, we have to go way back to the trying times of World War II, when the threat of an Axis attack on the East Coast prompted the United States military to utilize the highly strategic strip of land on the eastern tip of Long Island to build a coastal defense base with large gun batteries to protect against an attack by the feared German U-boats on probably America's most vital uh, port city. That would be New York City, of course. 
along with anti-aircraft batteries to defend against a possible air assault. Though I don't think it would become from the Germans, maybe the Japanese. Yeah, yeah, for sure. This just reminded me, what do you think the hit TV show Jersey Shore would have been like if they were on under constant assault from German U-boats? I may have actually watched it if every (laughs) once in a while a shell would go through the top of their house. Yeah. (laughs) They're just acting like trash and then all of a sudden. You know, they're talking about grenades all the time. Well, actual grenades would be taking their house out. Um, But yeah, it's funny. I swear to God, and I really mean this, I did not read ahead. And when we're talking about World War II, I didn't know you were about to just talk about it. <laughs> yeah, I was kind of thinking like, oh, he must have read ahead and we were about no, to talk about Nazis. swear to but, God, no. But I mean, we're, we're actually done talking about Nazis now. Uh, getting a little bit into the history. This base would be called Camp Hero, uh, named after Major General Andrew Hero uh, shortly after his death. That had been built near a World War I naval station and a lighthouse that was actually built during the Revolutionary War. That lighthouse was built to spot British ships that were, you know, feared for a return invasion. The base was actually designed at first to kind of look like a coastal New England village. This was in an attempt to protect the location from aerial bombings by enemies' forces. Uh, first the Nazis, then eventually the Russians. Uh, All of its concrete structures were designed to either look like little cottages or perhaps even a vibrant downtown with windows painted on the sides and shingles covering the roofs. Uh, Even the base gym was designed to look like a small town church. Wow. So they are really going incognito here for this base. Yeah, so it's kind of an interesting thing that most bases do. Uh, They try to either look like they're something else like a lot of places where a base will kind of hide like an Air Force base. I'm, you know, I was in the Air Force, so I kind of think more along this. Um, a lot of the places where they hide bombs will be like covered by kind of like earthen, you know, grass. You know, have all of that stuff on top so you really can't see it. It's obscured from, from aerial view. Also, a lot of the buildings, like there's no building that looks different than any other building. The base commissary looks just like the bowling alley, looks just like the main headquarters on base. It's kind of weird how they do it. It's really easy to get lost, actually, when all the buildings kind of look the same. Yeah. Yeah, I, I you know, obviously, I, I, I was not on as mo- many military bases as you, but, like, when I was with you in England, <laughs> I couldn't yeah. tell you where the fuck we were at. The, I knew where the Justice, what was it called, the Justice Club or something? Um, oh, had, the Liberty Club. The Liberty the Club that had a big ass <laughs> sign outside. But other than that, yeah, everything looked pretty much the same. It looked like a little college. Like when you see like a college town almost, that's what it reminded me of. Yeah, a low income college. Yeah. That's kind of what that base looks like. <laughs> okay. <laughs> With shabby dorms set up everywhere. Okay. For real, though, I've never met or seen anybody with the last name Hero. I, did this dude change his name to be Hero? I don't know. I don't know. So maybe, well, he's, so it was a, a major general that had died during the war and he was actually in control of like the East Coast batteries on the East Coast. And after he died, they they named this in his honor. So I, I think he was, like, it was his real name. 
Weird. You know what? I shouldn't be that surprised. Obviously, I see hundreds of hundreds and thousands of patient names um, at, yeah. at my job, and I can tell you, some people you see their last name, and, and you know your first inclination is to be like, I I think they probably changed their name to this, but you know what? That might be like just their <laughs> last name they were given. <laughs> a lot of Nordic last names. Yeah. A lot of old sons and <laughs> Johnsons. Oh God, there's so many goddamn son names. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Camp Hero would temporarily be abandoned after World War II, uh, with the threat coming from Europe no longer really looming as heavily. However, the base would again be utilized as the Cold War began to heat up eventually being gifted to the newly formed United States Air Force in 1951, with the Air Force constructing a huge set of radar stations on the base. First, it was really more of an early warning from Russian bombers, which was the original threat. Eventually, though, in December of 1960, a huge 40-foot-wide radar dish that now serves as a tourist landmark would be built to detect incoming Russian missiles if they were to be sent to the American coast. This would give the United States military a 30-minute warning of an impending nuclear attack with this dish along with the other kind of array of radar dishes, basically like a whole dragnet along the coast. Uh, it would give us a warning of about 30 minutes of a nuclear attack as the dish could detect flying objects nearly 200 miles away on its own. Wow. Okay, so according to this, is nukes, I, I'm assuming maybe it means during this time, just didn't fly very fast? Well, they flew pretty pretty fast. I don't know what you're talking about. Like, okay, you said they, get a, they could get a 30-minute warning before the nuke was going to hit them, right? So it must be able to tell from pretty far away or I don't Do you know what I mean? Like... 30 minutes oh, is a long time. Gotcha. Yeah, the 30-minute warning, it's from basically first sighting it to it exploding. Gotcha. So okay. I don't know. Yeah, you're all right. I did read a few different places about the 30-minute warning, though that might be like the dragnet. Ah, okay. The entire, it's, so it's the entire, all of the radar dishes up and down the East Coast. Well, I've heard, I've heard I don't know if it's true, obviously, but... Like any country in the world, um, they could basically tell even if they're about to start positioning a nuke to launch. You know what I mean? Like the technology is so good. They could, let's just say Russia was trying to get to start preparing a nuke. They could tell like that far in advance just because of how good the surveillance is nowadays. Well, with, you know, satellites and kind of all of the all of the shit that we have up in space to kind of see all this stuff. It doesn't take very long after the missiles take off to figure out like where they're going because of like how high they're going up, what direction they're going. They can kind of tell like where the missiles are going to come down. So I wonder if Russia, let's just say they launch a nuke at the, let's just say even, I don't know, probably the easiest thing for them would be like Seattle or something. Right. Like, I wonder what the time from launch to hit would be. I don't know. Actually, I just had a realization. So the 30-minute warning would have been for the bombers. Oh, okay. Okay, I gotcha. 
I got you. Okay, yeah, yeah, that makes more sense. Yeah, I was trying to. Re- I was trying to remember. It was. Uh, yeah, I believe it's for the bombers. Because but back for- then they they had to have a plane deliver the payload, right? Yeah, basically. So you were talking about what, like Russia to Seattle? Yeah. Oh, okay. I think it's just a few minutes. Like you don't get very long after the <laughs> missiles take off. That's kind of uh, that's scary. Yeah. Well, it's not like they have to fly. <laughs> it's not like they have to fly like around Alaska and around Canada and come down. They've, they they've, just go. They go over the top. They've got to respect Canadian airspace, and they go up and around. <laughs> They go around America's hat. Yeah. Yeah. You got to watch out for the um, anti-nuke like maple syrup bombs that they launch at the nuke and it gets all sticky and just <laughs> falls to the ground. <laughs> yeah. Our best defense against the nukes. Yeah. So yeah. right below right below it, I have a picture of the radar dish and I'll put okay. this up on Instagram. So you can see this radar dish from miles around and it still stands to this day. Is it functional still? No, it's not. They shut it down a long time ago. Okay. But they're, according to the conspiracy, people do still claim to see it move around every once in a while. But that's just a very alleged supposed kind of stories. Maybe like the interdimensional demons that they've summoned there are moving it or something. Mothman even. Pop. Possibly Sasquatch is up there yeah. turning her with gears. No, if you on. actually, there's a different picture that they took from a drone, and you can see how rusty the base is. Definitely, it doesn't look like it's turning for you'd, nothing. You'd anymore. need a lot of WD 40 to get that thing to turn again. <laughs> oh, definitely. Yeah, entire barrel of it. <laughs> now, during the 1970s, it was decided by the Air Force that the ground based radar had really become obsolete due to advances in orbiting reconnaissance satellites that we just kind of talked about. This was during the Carter administration, though it really didn't close down until Reagan came into power. Now, according to the official story, in the early 1980s, the base would be shut down with most of the area given to the U.S. government, made into a state park. Uh, Some of it would be used for commercial real estate, though that never really got off of the ground just because of kind of like what was already built there and the cost of taking some of this stuff out. Also, there was a little bit of worry about endangered species supposedly uh, being harmed by developing like golf courses. And you got to remember, this is all very close to New York and it's right on the edge of Long Island. So, I mean, it could be very expensive real estate. They're just not developing it. I couldn't see the Reagan administration caring too much about endangered species. No, definitely not. I believe that that must have been later on, maybe during the Clinton Clinton administration. Okay, yeah. Unless the endangered species, like, produced money, I couldn't really see him caring too much about it. I'm pretty sure when, uh, what was it, George Herbert Walker or George W. Bush, I'm sure, well, George W. Bush, I'm sure when Dick Cheney was in power, shit would have been fucking leveled and, you know, all of the salamanders and fucking bees and hornets and all the shit would have been taken out of there. Fuck the owls. I need a golf course. <laughs> It'll be like, we what what good's a newt, uh, newt for? They ain't even got a usable heart. What do we need them for? <laughs> <laughs> heard there's some good quail hunting in them yeah woods. <laughs> i heard my friends like to wander around there i might <laughs> shoot him <laughs> he sends a card 
telling them to meet at Montauk Island. Yeah. <laughs> so this is only really, though, the official story of the military presence on Montauk, as it is believed that disgraced scientists would make Montauk into a home for themselves. This was during its years of operation, carrying out ruthless experiments on their unsuspecting victims, with some believing that the labs may even still be operational to this day, as the alleged underground tunnel systems are still supposedly housing a variety of experiments. Okay, so they they were there the whole time, or they pretended to close it down to make it look like nobody was there, even though they were doing nefarious shit in these underground tunnels. Well, it's kind of the situation where, with conspiracy theories, obviously, you know, there is no official story or official version of the conspiracy theory. So it's kind of whatever people, you know, write down. So you really have to kind of use the Venn diagram ah, okay. to tell the story. There are some people, though, who believe that the radar dish on top of that large structure still moves. There's people who believe that the supposed underground tunnels are still in use. There's other people who believe that all this happened, though it was all shut down due to an incident. A very specific incident that happened there. So it's kind of there's different tellings of it that you'll find like around the Internet. I feel I'm going to right as of right now, I'm going with the third one. That hmm. they did something uh, really bad and they needed to close it down. Yeah. So according to kind of like the theories, um, all of the land that was given to the state parks and everything was just kind of cover for, you know, people were allowed in the area, but not in specific, like very sensitive places. There are still places that are closed off to the public that you're not allowed to go. So I mean, there's still like there's still chain link fences up around like some of the more private areas, I guess you could call it the former military intelligence places, the the quail hunting grounds. Um, that's yeah, they're all clo- they're all <laughs> they're all closed off. No, I mean, <laughs> if they are if they have opened rifts, they have captured interdimensional creatures, they are sodomizing them in these tunnels what better place to hide than with a state park on top of it, you know? Oh, definitely. Yeah. And these tunnel systems underneath are supposed to be massive. So like multiple, multiple levels of underground bunkers and tunnels and all sorts of shit. And for our Southern listeners, these are what you might call the hollers. Okay. This is an (laughs) East coast holler here. (laughs) Out in the holler, yeah. Yeah, I want I want to be inclusive to everybody, so I want to make sure um, yeah. underground hollers. That's my that might be what they have. So small. That's our small town murder reference of the week. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Stay tuned for our Star Trek reference of the week. It's yeah, coming. I swear yeah. to God, I, it will. <laughs> now, according to the theory, it had all began in 1943. Though this is just one theory, I should mention. My favorite, though, so that's kind of why I'm mentioning it. All right. With the U.S. government trying to figure out a way to get past German U-boats in the Atlantic Ocean unscathed. This would lead to the testing of new supposed stealth technology on the USS Eldridge. This was popularly known as the Philadelphia Experiment, also called the Rainbow Experiment. Okay. All right. I mean, is that for June or is that just what they called it? 
uh, I believe it has to do with the kind of like the use of white that ah, they used. That's okay. kind of my theory. I don't think it meant uh, quite what it means today. <laughs> um, but yeah, obviously we did a whole episode in Philadelphia Experiment. Weird shit that happened there. Um, what I love about this this section here is they wanted a way to, you know, outsmart the German U-boats. And yep. little did they know, one d- really dumb German commander thought he blew up his submarine and he did not. And then they found out all their codes. It, You know what? You don't need a mysterious <laughs> invisible ship. You just need a really dumb, high as fuck on methamphetamine Nazi submarine commander. Yeah, just some dumb luck. That's, yep. Uh, <laughs> yep. <laughs> this is the best defense against tyranny. Yeah. <laughs> you got to get some dumbass commanders. Oh, definitely. Now, as Cody just mentioned, uh, we have already covered the subject of the Philadelphia experiment on a previous episode years ago now. So I'm not really going to go into it that much. If you want to hear us talking about it, go back and listen to it. It's a pretty good one. But the gist of the supposed event is... That in October of 1943, the USS Eldridge and her crew underwent an experiment in Philadelphia Naval Harbor. It was bombarded with electromagnetic waves, causing it to disappear, transport, and then reappear. At first, for a few minutes, hundreds of miles away off the coast of Norfolk, Virginia, then rematerialize back in Philadelphia. However, when this ship supposedly rematerialized, the crew of the ship were horribly mangled, with many of the victims stuck inside the ship's hulls, uh, made part of the metal of the destroyer itself. Yeah. Ah, oh, God, what a terrible way to die, to be honest with you. Your, like, body reassembles inside of metal. <laughs> yeah. And, uh... Even some of... We, we haven't, you know, haven't talked about it for quite a bit, but some of those artists kind of reenactment you know the artist depictions of what that might have looked like were fucking horrifying even like the drawings of it were bad yeah i can't even imagine um you ever watched the original fly movie the fly from the 50s yeah i've seen i've seen both yeah like oh no not so i've seen the one with uh jeff goldblum yeah yeah um in his younger years where he's much more attractive but yeah, the original 50 ones, they do a lot more of like the transporting thing. And yeah. <laughs> I think the cat gets stuck in some inside of something in that one. But, you know, obviously it's the same premise where they're like transporting two objects. And then on a cellular level, they become like one object, which I assume yeah. is what um, the human and the destroyer, you know, probably don't make a good combination together yeah it actually uh <laughs> and here it comes folks there was an episode <laughs> of uh star trek enterprise where they tried to beam up uh one of their crewmen uh during a kind of like a huge storm and they ended up beaming up a ton of the plant material that was all like blowing around all around him and it was stuck inside of his skin kind of like that yeah. 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 Remember the uh, the hit movie Galaxy Quest? Yes. Where they transport that animal up and it's like inside out. <laughs> <laughs> blows them. Yeah. Blows them out. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I need to watch that movie again. Not bad. Not bad. It, it was. Uh, I think it's a little underrated. 
Oh, definitely. Now, whether you consider the Philadelphia Experiment a terrific failure or a horrifying success, the project would be shut down, with its funding and backing supposedly going towards other war science efforts, namely the Manhattan Project, which is very much real and did happen. Absolutely. Here's the thing. If they actually, even for a split second, were able to transport big-ass destroyer like that that quickly, all these dead people, that wouldn't even matter to the military. They'd be like, well, yeah, they're dead, but we did... We're on to something here. Let's keep let's keep doing it so we can like teleport back and forth. Yes, they're dead, and it sucks. Next time we'll send monkeys and dogs. Move up move us another yeah. ship now. I always wonder, you think the corpse of that monkey still floating around in space? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's uh if the Russian satellites or that Russian rocket is still up there, maybe. But if uh, if the monkey was ejected out, it would have blown out. It would have either imploded or exploded. Imagine aliens coming over the first time and there's like a ship with a corpse of a monkey in it. And then there's a ship of corpses of dogs just floating around. And they're like, <laughs> this fucking planet is full of psychopaths. We've got to we're not going here. Yeah, we're not even going to open up their glass dome no. on the flat earth. Fuck. We're we're leaving. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck these animals. Yeah. Now, because of this failure, the scientists involved needed new projects. And with the promising data that they had just collected from the Eldridge, they supposedly wanted to continue their experimentation with, you know, the technology improvements of teleportation and invincibility. These scientists would need a new home to work out of, and Hero Base was allegedly chosen. With the new naval defense base, uh, given a lot of underground tunnels that were dug out for all of the labs. Also, and supposedly, there's a lot of kind of weird geologic stuff that is supposedly happening on like this little strip of land that is important for kind of like what the scientists wanted to do with their experiments. So I didn't really get into the nuts and bolts of that very much, but there was a reason why this area was chosen. Maybe like a ley line, a ley line of earth or something where there's a lot of arcane magic or something. I don't know. Um, Yeah, I guess we should correct ourselves, you know, or correct myself. Actually, if if the Philadelphia experiment was successful, they probably would go to this method to continue research on it. I will agree with that because if they're hidden working on it, not only can the public not get scared, also their enemies cannot see what they're working on. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I mean, like the first go around the Philadelphia experiment, they used American soldiers like sailors. So they're not going to use those again, but they do find a new source of like test subjects to use. Um, I was going to say the thing about ley lines, that might actually be kind of a good theory because Plum Island is like a rowboat's ride away from this area. Very close. Hey, it's right there. I was just thinking since you said it was a lot of sailors, right? Are we sure the Philadelphia experiment wasn't actually a way they had developed to rid the world of venereal diseases? Possibly. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Maybe they <laughs> thought they could teleport the scabies away or something or the crabs. I don't know. 
teleporting the VD out yeah. of their bodies. Yeah, they just put it. They dropped it in in Virginia and then and then came back. <laughs> no, no, further south. Further yeah. south <laughs> to Florida. <laughs> to Florida. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that explains. Things. Yeah, yeah. That's why they're a little weird down there. Now, according to this theory, this is where the scientists would pick up right where they left off. They would collect their test subjects from the local uh, children kind of off of the streets in nearby New York City. These were mostly runaways and homeless uh, people who they didn't really think would be missed. They would become known as the Montauk Boys. Allegedly, some were even abducted from their own homes uh, to be used as lab rats and victimized by the scientists of Montauk. So, do, okay, if this is true, this is fucked up beyond belief, but do we know what exactly are you going to tell us like what they're doing to them exactly? Yeah, later on, okay. we'll, get, we'll get very much into it. Okay, yeah. the Montauk boys, though, I mean, kind of a cool you know, term for your gang, I guess, but not when you're being abducted and tested on. No, definitely not. It does sound like kind of a cool name from like a 1960s like Gr- gang movie. Sounds like a you know, greaser. The Montauk, Bo- the Montauk Boys are coming. Yeah, a fucking group of greasers, man. <laughs> group of greasers, they're all snapping their fingers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so much fucking pomade in their hair. <laughs> For some reason, only one of them has a girlfriend, but yeah. she is the craziest fucking bitch. In yeah, town. <laughs> <laughs> the regular old Anna Nicole Smith. Yeah, yeah, the movie The Warriors. That yeah. was great. I oh, love I movie. love that movie. <laughs> Another one I need to see again. Oh, yeah. great, great. Spent enough time. Now, after the end of World War II, while hero base operations on the surface were slowing down, the underground levels were supposedly seeing a huge spike in activity. As according to the theory, this is when Nazi scientists brought to the United States under the shield of Operation Paperclip would begin to join the ranks of the scientists already involved in the project. They would add their expertise gained from years of experimenting on the victims of the Nazi scientists during the Holocaust. So they wanted like the most sadistic motherfuckers to be here doing these experiments. Basically, it kind of sounds like it. I mean, the thing is with Operation Paperclip, you get into it. There was a lot of different agencies vying for these guys to come into their groups. You know, I mean, Werner von Braun's probably the most famous one. He pretty much allegedly got us to the moon, if you believe that we were. Yeah. Yeah. If you believe that. Yeah, I, I I, mean, even on Plum Island, when we did that episode, there was allegedly a Nazi. I don't remember if it's allegedly or really, but um, there was a Nazi scientist <laughs> there. probably there. really was some. That's what I'm saying. I'm pretty sure there was a real Nazi scientist there working on um, diseases and stuff. Yeah, and these Nazi scientists who were brought over, it's not like they had a choice. I mean, a lot of them gained, like, seeming... Like they had seemingly had their freedom. Uh, A lot of them would get married, have families, you know, but it's not like they could just quit that sort of deal. Well, this was they this was conditional. They definitely got treated better than the Nazi scientists who went to Russia. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Well, anyone, (laughs) anyone in America was probably treated better besides Stalin, like than anyone in Russia. Yeah. So, yeah, I Britain got some, too. Right. I'm pretty sure they did. 
I think they, uh, I think they scoop some up for themselves. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I've I've learned a lot during wars. The country who's like invading or whatever, or like whatever, the victor usually scoops up some of the uh, the brain, the brains of the country, the scientists and stuff. The brain trust. Yeah, I, I've noticed that in a lot of war stories. Oh, definitely. Yeah, or they're the first ones to be killed, kind of like with the invaders. Yeah, uh, the intelligentsia, that bad sort too. of thing. They, they get rid of them too. So who knows? Fucking, uh, I think, was it Artemis? He, he was killed during an invasion. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, <laughs> you probably don't know. No, I, I don't. don't. Talk about no, I don't. I, I've heard the name. Not... It's a really funny story, but uh, I won't tell it here. Okay. So all, all of this was supposedly blown wide open when in 1992, a man by the name of Preston Nichols would author the book titled The Montauk Project, Experiments in Time. Nichols wrote that he was actually one of the Montauk boys that had been experimented on in the bowels of the base, claiming that he underwent physical, sexual, and mental abuse at the hands of the scientists in those underground labs, making accusations that his torturers were attempting to break down their victim's will and their minds itself in order to unlock hidden psychic abilities using methods such as waterboarding, psychotropic drugs, electroshock therapy, also beatings and sexual assaults. Jesus, okay. I I mean, I I I feel like there if if there's a way to unlock someone's psychic abilities, a la Chris Angel. Uh actually was he a Montauk boy? I I don't know, but um <laughs> He might have been a little uh, a little too young at the time. I think he's our age. So. Oh, is he? He looks a little older than us. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Why would you? I mean, I I guess I don't know much about latent psychic abilities, but would you really have to beat somebody down to the ground and stuff just to get them to unlock it? Well, you're trying to kind of tear down all of their mental barriers. That's kind of the idea behind it. Gotcha. Uh, you're. You're, you're creating a blank slate, basically. And it's not like they could just grab any kid off the street and kind of make him into like a psychic warrior or, you know, a, spy, a psychic spy, kind of like the what they wanted. So a lot of it was kind of like they would have to figure out if this person had latent abilities or maybe they would kind of look at their, you know, family history to see if maybe, you know, they were related to someone else who had the abilities, kind of that sort of deal. But it's not like they could just like pull it out of anybody. And a lot, I, I will say this, like, you know, blow it a little bit here. But a lot of the people who claim to have been a part of this also claim that they are in some way special, of course, and that they did have these psychic abilities. And they, you know, they also have memories of basically doing these crazy things. Like Preston Nichols, if he's a Montauk boy, has he displayed any of his psychic powers? Did he, is he basically like 11 from Stranger Things? <laughs> I, no, I don't think, I don't think so. Okay. No. <laughs> All right. Um, damn it. I, I, you know, I, I, it's interesting because... <laughs> When you said that, all I could think about is there's so many Japanese animations that have like this kind of a trope where somebody unlocks emotionally like this 
crazy psychic ability. Usually in those, they end up going on a killing rampage, but... um, (laughs) Yeah. But, yeah, an emotionally drawn-out, latent psychic ability. Yeah, I do love how many, like, in comics, in American comic books, the person unlocks these superpowers, and they become good. But kind of like in the anime, it always seems to be the other way around, the way you would actually expect it. Why couldn't somebody just be so happy in their life they just got married. Maybe they had a kid. They got a good job. They just got a puppy. And then all of a sudden they get these insane psychic abilities like fucking Jean Grey from X-Men just blow up half the world. It oh, never yeah. happens that well, way. <laughs> it turns out they're just a complete psychopath. <laughs> good point. Yeah, kind of like that movie Brightburn, which is also one I have to rewatch. Good movie. I did like that movie. Yeah, well, fucking psychopath. <laughs> now, according according to Nichols' book, the large 40-foot radio dish was actually part of these experiments, with the concrete base for the radar dish being only the tip of the iceberg of a much larger substructure underneath. This structure was supposedly 12 levels deep and would send out a specific frequency of 425 megahertz that could allegedly be used to enter into the consciousness of others. This dish would be used in these supposed experiments on locals. Uh, They would be used really just to try to control the minds of humans and, of course, bend their wills. One weird thing about the station is that there were actually many reports that the radar dish would wreak havoc on radio and television signals in the area, even causing some in the area to collect to complain about severe headaches when the dish was in use. Okay, interesting. When you said it was like used for the ex- these experiments, I figured you were going to say like they made the kids watch Joe Dirt 2 as torture or something. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but God. okay. This, On a loop for 24 hours. Oh my God. Kind of like Clockwork Orange where he's prying his eyes open and making him watch that shit. Um, so realistically... The, the kids are like, Jesus, can't you just beat me? Yeah. yeah just, yeah, I'd prefer to be beaten and waterboarded than watch Joe Dirt too. Um, I prefer the cane, please. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the thing. If this dish is that big, it's probably either picking up or emitting some sort of radio or some sort of waves, right? Um, yeah. You would imagine something of that power could distort local radio or television signals some people say too much electromagnetic whatever can give you headaches and shit so i guess maybe there is some probability to that oh yeah definitely and so in the official history that i was reading about the base they claimed that uh, in 1960 1961 when this dish first went up it did fuck with people's like the radio and television signals, but they also claim that they sh- shut it down for kind of a decent period of time in order to make upgrades and repairs so that it wouldn't do that as much. Ah, so they claim okay. that they didn't have the sauce right at first, basically, but they figured it out and were able to use it for the next, you know, it was, I think, 12 or 13 years without too much, you know, of that stuff happening. You also have to remember too, this wasn't the first radar dish that they had on base. They had like a network of much smaller ones. This was just kind of the granddaddy that they Big built ass. on base. Yeah. I mean, it's the year 2023, right? 
when I was at that music festival, my cell phone literally didn't work because of all the other people using their cell phones. So it's, I mean, even in the year we live in now, there's still things like this they haven't figured out or can cause problems. So, you know, 50 years ago, I could see it causing, I guess even 60 years ago now, causing problems. Yeah, it is pretty sweet though. They, uh, (laughs) and this is not important at all, but you hear like people tell me about when they go to the Cardinals games. Uh, here in town, the stadium apparently has Wi-Fi that is actually like really good. Like you can use the Wi-Fi during the games, even with, you know, thousands of people there, you know, you still have enough bandwidth for yourself. So that's crazy. That's yeah. crazy. Of course, they wa- of course, they want you to use the betting you know, Instagram and- or the betting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> actually, good point. It's probably the betting. Uh, they want you to use like Instagram, take pictures of you, you know, enjoying yourselves there and everything. But yeah, actually, come to think of it, it's probably the betting. It's crazy that I don't know if you heard this. They have that technology for the fans or whatever, but they make all the players pay for their own food and stuff in the cafeteria. <laughs> <laughs> it's just crazy. Like, I don't know. I think they had to pay for time in the weight room or something, too. Like the Cardinals are rated the worst environment for football players oh well i mean phoenix is just the worst environment for any (laughs) you know yeah any decent any decent soul doesn't shouldn't be in phoenix i don't think you'll do very well here (laughs) very true (laughs) now after the publishing of nichols book of course other victims would come forward claiming to have also been abducted as children and young adults being taken to the underground labs and used as guinea pigs for these Nazi-style experiments. Though this is very common with conspiracy theories. We've talked about it many times before, with people seemingly jumping on the bandwagon for anything paranormal, whether that be aliens, Bigfoot, ghosts, or even angel sightings. There's always those wanting to either add to the legend or most likely gain their own bit of fame with a false story. Yeah, yeah, abso-fucking-lutely. Here's I the, the one main thing that I think is giving Nichols a little less credibility is if they're doing all this torturous shit to people, which, to be honest, I would not put past the secret government agency. I would not. But I don't think they would just let them go. I think they would, like, kill them, throw them in a creamer, crematorium or something. Oh, yeah. Or some of his torturers might come after him, you know, send their goon squads in to get him. Yeah. That sort of thing. Yeah. Or the demons from the underworld and that sort of shit, you know, might come for him, too. Uh, also, one other thing that I was kind of thinking, oh, it's always the people who have these, you know, crazy of like nonfiction books that come out about their experiences. How many of them? I don't know about Nickel really being like a prolific fiction author. Uh, There's another uh, episode that I'm actually in the process of writing right now. It was a guy who was abducted by alien for years before he wrote about his nonfiction, you know, kind of encounters with aliens. He wrote a bunch of like sci-fi and paranormal fiction books. Yeah. You know, I I hate it when that happens. Yeah. It's, it doesn't look great. Oh, definitely. It's almost like you had an idea for aliens and like a writer like that is a factory for ideas. Any little thing, they can fucking make it blossom out. And then all of a sudden they just decide, you know what would really sell this book? If people thought this shit was real. 
you know like if the author, like the Blair Witch shit like if the author of Dune wrote a book about how he went to an all desert planet and got high as hell on something called spice <laughs> you might be like I think you might have gotten this idea from somewhere definitely yeah but uh so I I was on a bunch of different um articles and kind of you know you don't see a lot of like comment sections anymore for for articles, but some of the older ones did still have comment sections. And you would not believe how many people had like short stories of just their experience of being like either a scientist or a Montauk boy or witnessing something strange. People you imagine probably never even have been to the East Coast of the United States who just want to get in on the action. Well, if there's one thing this show has taught us, Phil, people do not lie in the Internet. Oh, definitely. No, (laughs) never happened. Never. (laughs) Yeah. Everyone, everybody's been abducted by aliens. Everyone's seen you. It happened. Yeah. You know that movie where uh, I think it's Matt Damon. No, not Matt Damon. I don't know who it is, but where nobody like they live in a world where nobody lies. Now. Oh, yeah. The invention of lying. Now, imagine that world, but with the Internet existing. Whew, what a wild place that would be. <laughs> there would be massive civil war. Yeah. Though those people had some pretty tough skin. Very true. Very true. They could take the truth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, uh, I can't remember what his name is, but uh, he was the main character on the British version of The Office. Ricky J- 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 Gervais. Gervais, yes. yes. Yep. Ricky He's, Gervais. Yes. Yeah. Great movie also. Yes. Now, for this last part of the episode, I kind of wanted to make it a little bit more of a discussion, kind of about what, you know, alleged things happened at this base. So here are some of the claims that have been made uh, over the years that I found on the Internet. The victims would be given hallucinogens, which were created specifically to target and unlock psychic and telepathic abilities, a la MK Ultra. So... If they were, how could they tell the difference between if they were hallucinating having psychic and telekinetic <laughs> powers and if they actually worked and why aren't they working anymore? Well, you got to think it's not the person who's reporting their telekinesis. It's the scientists who are observing the supposed telekinesis. Oh, okay. I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah. So the hallucinogenic is kind of like another one of those things that like breaks down the mental barriers. Okay. All right. Like kind of like David Blaine. He clearly has some sort of psychic abilities. We don't understand how they work, but maybe, you know, he's from New York. Maybe he is a Montauk kid. Possibly. Yeah. I don't know. Well, according to some people, this all ended in the eight others. It's still going on. So maybe he was like a later kid. Magicians don't have an age, Phil. You got to remember that. That is true. He could be fucking. They exist. <laughs> he could be. He could be Merlin himself. They exist in the time space continuum where there where age is irrelevant. Also known as YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> now, an- now another one of these claims was that the victim would be sat down in a special chair. This chair had the ability to teleport someone either physically, spiritually, or temporally, meaning time travel. Okay. All the time travelers we've talked about, they all seem to have something like this. 
So maybe, I mean, maybe there is some, I mean, maybe there's some validity to this. Yeah. And according to different people, it, it kind of works, you know, differently. Some people claim that they are basically like, you know, only really taken like spiritually, like their essence is kind of like, you know, shipped away and they feel themselves moving through space, like, you know, thousands of light uh, years. What do they, you know, just crazy what, fast. What do they call that? Where someone leaves their body. There's oh, a, the out of body experience. Yeah. And oh, projection. That's what it is. Like you're, projection. Yeah. Yep. You're like projecting your spirit somewhere. It'd be yeah. cool. I and guess. It, it, can, it can also be physically too. People are kind of like, you know, almost like Star Trek, like the transporter. They're, they're just kind of sent away. I mean, this definitely is in Stranger Things. Like basically them sitting it or her. I guess she's in like water, but. You get, you know, it's just still the, kind of the same thing. Same basic thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, also, time travel. A lot of the, <laughs> a lot of the stories you hear, they they go back to very significant events that you'll remember. It's never, you know, they just go to a normal everyday time, and you know, it's always something significant. Yeah. So. Yeah, it it always is. Can't be anything small. Yep, everyone who's ever been reincarnated was uh, someone special, never anyone normal. No, no. So, yeah, shit tons of people were, what is it, Joan of Arc, we said? (laughs) (laughs) I forgot about that, yeah. Another big one that I found, psychic espionage. This was when they would get the most psychically gifted children used in the Montauk experiments to peer into the minds of foreign leaders and, of course, the enemies of the United States. See, this one, I could see them wanting to have more than any of these other abilities. As, yeah, as, a, we... as a government, this is, I feel like, what they would want the most out of any of these yeah, there's other kind of conspiracy theories about psychic espionage. There was a, a very not good movie called The Men Who Stare at Goats. Yeah. That they kind of, they, the movie was pretty much about this, where it was a psychic espionage. Supposedly, this was an actual, like, government program that they spent money on trying to, like, make this work. I'm, so, I guarantee they did. Yeah. It's one of those things where it's more than just kind of conspiracy theory. There's, it's, Becoming like declassified, I think. So, <laughs> I mean, but it wouldn't be it wouldn't be the worst thing that the government spent money on. So, here's the thing: if they really wanted this, why wouldn't they like abduct thousand names, Sandra Brown or something, or David Copperfield, David Copperfield, yeah. John Edwards, one of them? Yeah, you just send an elephant straight into uh, the Soviet leader's, you know, <laughs> bathtub, you just drown him right there. There you <laughs> <Crush> go. <him. laughs> yeah. send a shark into his bathtub (laughs) next up they would attempt to make contact with alien beings or possibly ufos they would use of course you know the radar dish the most prominent kind of thing in the area or possibly one of the most psychic children that they had in their vaults Basically trying to uh, make contact, have them come to them, maybe trying to get more technology, more information. I mean, I can kind of see this. I mean, it's proven that the Nazis even try to do this, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. And, well, the big one about the Russians is that they were actually shooting down UFOs, sacrificing their pilots, basically, just trying to get one lucky shot. 
So it is kind of big when you're talking about if you, I mean, think about the advantage you get with shooting down or having aliens come and kind of give you technology. Now, all of a sudden, you're years ahead of your competition. Yeah, that I mean, that would give us a serious bump in technology. Maybe. Oh, definitely. If they were doing this, like I joked about earlier, and even in Stranger Things, like trying to contact alien beings or something or using these psychic kids and then accidentally opening up an interdimensional rift or something and then some sort of a creature Ooh. comes through that, um, you know, isn't supposed to belong in our existence. Wasn't that uh, Crowley? Wasn't he like trying to open up a portal kind of with his like, uh, you know, satanic sex magic? Wasn't wasn't that kind of the story? He he always claimed that he had uh, talked to a demon. The drawings of that demon look a lot like an alien. His was a ancient Egyptian god, I think. Oh, okay. I, maybe I'm thinking about somebody else, someone who was kind of well, using like these the the cult people like that. I think that like the whole thing is to try to contact stuff from the other side or do something like that. Using the dark arts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, a la Harry Potter. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I emo emo kids from high school. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Every teenage girl on a Ouija board. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I, th- I, a lot of them, they are trying to summon, I don't know, fucking elementals or spirits or demons or what have you. Bathomet, of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, speaking of that, I watched ha- Return to House on Haunted Hill. Fucking mm. terrible. And it has a Baphomet statue in it. That was the only cool part. Okay. Yeah. But, like, uh, in Stranger Things, the, the portal to the kind of upside down is like the big thing. One of the big things about uh, this, you just mentioned it is like the opening of portals uh, kind of maybe where stranger things got it from. Uh, There was other things too. Like I mentioned before nearby is plum Island. There was supposed biological agent testing on some of the Montauk children, kind of like a a mix between the plum Island and the Montauk kind of experiments. Okay. I got you. So maybe, okay. Maybe they were developing stuff for to test on these kids. Yeah, kind of, you know, cooperation between the two agencies or something like that. Maybe. No, it's kind of the deal is Plum Island is so close to this place. You almost have to use it. Yeah. Yeah. In I, your conspiracies. I mean, really. the more the bigger conspiracy is could government agencies actually work together I don't know. They they don't have a good history of working together, but maybe Plum Island and Montauk Project, you know, maybe they oh. did. I don't know. Just look at, yeah, CIA, FBI, all of those agents cannot work together worth shit. No. Just <laughs> jealousy, hiding shit, you know, trying to fuck them over at every turn, cut yeah. their legs out. Yeah. So. Whoever, that's how they get funding, I guess. Oh, definitely, yeah. Well, it's just so a lot. We talked about, like, all of these conspiracies kind of coming together. It's amazing that they didn't kind of have like, I didn't find anything about like the flat earth or the hollow earth or anything like that. Though the hollow earth might be a part of the, uh, the interdimensional portal. Yeah. Uh, One of my favorite hoaxes though is coming up right now because there are even claims that the moon landing was staged at the facilities at Montauk air force base in 1969. Okay. All right. I mean, 
I guess. Uh, I think they might want to actually, you know, use a good director to uh, to go ahead and do that. Um, like the the conspiracies that Stanley Kubrick did it, the uh, famous director who directed uh, 2001: Space Odyssey. Um, you know, he he's he has a little bit more talent than the Montauk Boys in uh, some sewer below this radar. Yeah, I uh, so there's a podcast that I've been with War Mode. It's actually really good uh, conspiracy. They talk about a lot of different things. They were actually talking about the moon landing in one of the older episodes that I was just listening to yesterday. And it was kind of funny. They were talking about like the inability to find any of like the landers or anything like on the moon that they supposedly used. It was a pretty good episode. Okay. All right. Maybe I have to check that out. Yeah. Now, according to Preston Nichols, uh, this base all came to a close when a group of Montauk boys actually rebelled against their captors, smashing up equipment in the labs in an attempt to escape their tormentors. After the revolt, the base was allegedly shut down with the victims and abusers involved in this experiment given drugs to wipe their memories of their time at Montauk. Though many of the alleged victims, mostly that came out after Preston Nichols' books, would claim that they were able to reclaim their memories either by means of hypnotic therapy and counseling, or they were just, you know, they just had a good enough brain to where they could remember. Uh, some of the supposed witnesses claim that they have never forgotten at all. This is very Stranger Things too. It's funny, I was thinking the whole time, like, if it was... David Blaine or Chris Angel here in the labs, right? Um, they would probably be the most powerful to escape or maybe put on a little illusion and escape or something. Um, but yeah, if you got, if all these kids are psychic and they have these powers, I assume it wouldn't be that difficult for them to overpower the scientists. Yeah, I mean, who knows how many allegedly they were keeping all at the same time uh there's claims that like a lot of the children who didn't show any promise were just kind of disposed of so really you're just talking about like the top tier being kept around for any like long period of time so who knows how many victims were actually there at one time but yeah it's i mean if if you basically have like a team of superheroes pretty much that can make people think that you know a giant lion is loose in the <laughs> in the facility. Maybe they could, you know, escape that way or something. Yeah. Or figure out some kind of way to get out. But but the, so according to this, they escaped but were captured, then given drugs to wipe their memories. Yeah. And then the base was closed. And some people claim that the tunnels were cemented in. Other people claim that the tunnels are still there. And that's kind of why there are restricted sections like on the you know on the island okay all right it you know what i gotta say it's a fantastic story i don't know you hear this expounded so much and i feel like on this one you can kind of meet a middle ground maybe like they they probably were doing weird experiments and stuff i didn't know about in this location or involving the radar or involving abducting kids and torturing them but maybe attempting these types of things on voluntary subjects. Um, but obviously, I, I highly doubt any of it worked. 
I don't know. It's so like looking up all this stuff on the internet, all the different kind of articles and um, most of the, how do I say this? Most of the stories that were kind of around all the articles were taken mostly from Preston Nichols. There were like a couple of other kind of main people that stories are taken from. Uh, There's a lot of people who kind of are like, you know, posting their own kind of stuff too, or maybe on message boards, that kind of deal. But a lot of it is just kind of taken from Preston Nichols' account. He's kind of like the granddaddy of this one. He is, so people were talking about this a little bit in the 80s, but his 1992 book like kind of shot it into the mainstream. So what do you think? Do you think this is actually something that existed? Well, Camp Hero obviously existed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the radar station and everything like that. Um, do I think that there were secret labs underneath it? No, I do not. I think anything secret underneath it. It's kind of like Area 51. You know, you it's, it's almost good for the government to have all of this weird kind of beliefs about Area 51 so that the shit that they were actually doing there would kind of stay secret. And... You know, people weren't looking too close at the normal secret stuff because they were looking for the weird secret stuff. That's yeah, it. yeah, that is very true. But what I like, what I was saying is, could you foresee, especially during you know Cold War times, post you know right after post World War II, them just trying weird shit? You know, not that it's gonna work, but maybe like trying to have a psychic soldier or have somebody, you know, learn to do psychic espionage or something like that. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, especially during the cold war, they were throwing anything at the wall yeah. to you know, just see what sticks. And you have all of this kind of, you know, money that's just, just dark money, you know, unaccounted for kind of just there and if you don't use it, it probably goes away. So you keep using it, that sort of thing. Um, also, we still have like DARPA, that sort of shit. Yeah. So yeah, they're just coming up with crazy shit after crazy <laughs> shit. So I just feel like they would try. I'm not saying they would like torture people until it happened to them or abduct kids off the street. But I feel like they would definitely be trying weird shit. Um, just maybe with like voluntarily voluntary soldiers or like with MK Ultra dosing people with hallucinogenics to see what happens and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's so funny because when you like when you hear about it, it it sounds so crazy. Kind of like how MK Ultra. MK Ultra sounds insane until you realize like all of the the proof that they actually have and kind of like all the stuff coming out to say like, yeah, we actually did do some of that. You know, it's not quite as it's not quite as terrible as like the stories that they give are like, yes, we were dosing people with hallucinogens to try to get the secrets out of them or to see if they could keep a secret. But it's not like we were turning them into, you know, drones, that sort of thing. Like Manchurian candidates. Yeah, exactly. They were more just kind of seeing what would happen. And then they ended up turning into like a frat. And yeah. they were just <laughs> dosing each other with fucking acid every once yeah. in a while. Now, just I mean, for fun. when it comes to LSD, that's usually what happens. <laughs> I mean, they were that that one story we were telling about for MK Ultra, where uh, basically it was at a party 
and a bunch of CIA agents were there with their wives and they just dosed somebody just for fun. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> if you want to get the biggest representation of what MK Ultra actually looked like, um, probably just if you were around to go to a Grateful Dead concert. I mean, you can't get more acid heads in one <laughs> section with the lead singers on acid too um, than that. Yeah, there's so many people doing acid there. It just fucks up the whole simulation. <laughs> <laughs> so many people are high on acid. There. So many people are high on acid that everyone's normal and uh, nobody's on acid. That's how weird it gets there. Or if you're not on acid, you're the weird one. Yeah, you're the one who's <laughs> out of control. You're the one who's not uh, not seeing things right. <laughs> but uh, anyway, Phil, excellent episode. I I would be genuinely curious if um, any of our fans have a strong opinion on the Montec project. Uh, maybe just if they like Stranger Things or not, that works too. But uh, where can they contact us at? Well, you can hit us up on our email, subliminaldpodcast at gmail.com. You know, if you want to talk about Stranger Things or you want to claim that you are actually one of the Montauk boys or the scientists, you know, get a hold of us. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can also hit us up on Instagram, probably even easier, a better way to talk to us. Uh, Subliminal Deception Podcast. Love all of the everything. People talking to us, sending the love and the hate. So get a hold of us there. Cody, you have your own Instagram account? Yeah, you can follow me at Cody's above. Thank you to everybody who's taken the time to uh, send me messages or videos. Greatly appreciate it. The last thing we ask you guys to do is to log in iTunes, leave your show five-star review. doesn't particularly matter what you say. You could type your favorite psychic ability in there. Just make sure it is a five-star. And thank you to everyone who's taken time to do that for us. If you're a Spotify listener, it's even simpler. You just hit five stars, hit submit. That's all you got to do. We greatly appreciate everyone who's taking the time to do that for us, including the Montauk boys. Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed this uh, journey down a very big conspiracy. A lot of people will have heard of this, and I think Phil did a phenomenal job on it. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks, guys. <laughs>